and welcome to the Get Your Film Fix podcast, Spotify's longest-running entertainment and film podcast. I am Lee Carlo with <laughs> Chapin Hemingway and Jeremy Fisk. Yes. I don't know. Could be. Yes. <laughs> and today we're going to be discussing uh, another potential fixie contender, Park Chan-wook's decision to leave. Guys, it is that time of year where we are especially guarded with our opinions on the movies that we see. Um, the fixies are about 25 days away. And why is it that we're so guarded? Are, do we think like on fixie day, we're just going to be like, what? You actually love Tom Hanks in it's Elvis. A, it's a good, <laughs> it's a good question, but it's sort of just become a tradition where we just, we don't want to reveal anything that could hint at, uh, the order of our of the potential order of our list. So, we, so we'd lie. We straight out lie on these podcasts. So we have to discuss these movies um, in part because we want to keep churning out some pods in the meantime, keep everybody excited about the fixies. But also, I think last year, especially, we learned a pretty valuable lesson um, in that these conversations are important in shaping our opinions of these movies and right. placing them do... appropriately. Um, we ran into something with Worst Person in the World last year where we all saw it really late and weren't able to discuss it before the fixies. And then after the fact, we wondered if maybe we all ranked it too low. So we've got to talk about Decision to Leave. We've got to reveal our opinions to each other. Um, and before we get into that movie specifically, I want to start here because um, I was looking at some... Um, some things from past years and I, I just find it interesting that if you take a look at the Oscars Best Director winners Jane Campion of course won last year <clears throat> prior to that Chloe Zhao won for Nomadland uh, and then before that you had Bong Joon-ho um, in 2000, from 2014 to 2019 with the exception of one year 2017 three directors won all the Best Director awards. Alfonso Cuaron, Alejandro gonzalez Iñárritu, and Guillermo del Toro, all from Mexico. It was, you know, a Mexican wave at the Oscars. Their movies did really well. They always they all won Best Director um, in that span of time. Damien Chazelle was the interrupter for La La Land in 2017. And now, I find it interesting that 2020 and 2021, we had Asian filmmakers in Bong Joon-ho and Chloe Zhao. Um... At the Fixies, we've had both of them obviously won Best Director and their movies, Parasite and Nomadland won Best Picture. We've talked about movies like Burning, Minari, um, Park Chan-wook himself with this movie, Decision to Leave, um, The Handmaiden a few years ago. Um, he's probably best known for Old Boy, which goes back to 2003. Hirokazu Kurita won the Palme d'Or in 2018 for Shoplifters. He has another movie this year called Broker and... It seems like we're in a little bit of the midst of a Asian wave, more specifically Korean filmmakers really making noise, you know, to American audiences. And I'm wondering if there's something you guys can attribute to that specifically with the movies. I know that the streaming has offered accessibility that didn't used to be there, but is there something about these movies that's making them so accessible, especially if you consider the fact that those films from the Mexican filmmakers, Kurani and Yuratu and Del Toro, were all English language movies with the exception of Roma. And all these Korean films and Asian films are mostly subtitled. 
You could also throw in, um, from the television aspect, you could throw in Squid Game into that conversation. Oh, that's too. true. That was a huge hit. Yeah. So, what do you think it is? What is what's driving this? Well, that's a great that's a great point, Jeremy. That I'm going to steal from you. Um, <laughs> it's like the, Squid Game. The familiarity of so. Uh, well, here's one thing. I think Chapin. Um, I don't think you're on your mic. I'm not. I don't, I don't think so. Oh, um, hold on. I am on. I am, hold on. Just make Just sure I am on. Always with this, right, Jeremy? Oh, every time. I'm actually not either. I, I was on the. You are. I, I am now. I just switched over. Um, you're right. I'm sorry, Lee. Does this sound better? Oh, much better. Much okay. better. Okay. Um, sorry about that. Uh, yes. So I think, uh, one thing I've learned in my <clears throat> recent dating escapades, uh, <laughs> is that a lo- always comes back. <laughs> Americans to <this>. like Asians. <laughs> <laughs> That's um, all it is. It, is that. Especially, I've noticed, especially with women, uh, but maybe that's just because I'm not exposed to men. Could be men as well. Uh, but a lot of people watch movies with subtitles on uh, because that's an option with Netflix and Amazon and all those things. Like even English watch, language, you're even saying? English like, language. Like, it was an article about this recently that made some waves around the internet. So why? Yeah, I mean, I would. Why I would tell that? those people. To, I would tell those people to get a better fucking sound system, uh, personally. But um, you know, that's fine. But uh, I notice a lot of people do that, and I think, like you mentioned, there's a lot more um, access to content that isn't American or even in English, and because of you know the digital cineplex now that uh, has been sort of amplified by COVID, we're allowed to you know not just watch things in other languages from other countries, but watch things in sorry not watch things just from other countries, but also watch things in other languages very easily. And, you know, with Netflix and Amazon and all those other streaming services, they offer a, a tremendous amount of languages in available in subtitles. And a lot of times in um, uh, voice, you know, they do they, yeah, dub, they it. dub them. Yeah. Um, and because of that, you know, you release a movie like Parasite and it. I mean, I think one thing I remember and that we discussed about that film is sort of how universal the the sort of themes were, uh, but also you can watch that in any language you want. And thus like it becomes quite easy to make that content accessible. And I think there's something really, that's really important. Um, Uh, and also this like Koreans are good fucking filmmakers. Like I looked at this movie and I'm like, Holy shit. Like these guys are just so good at just aesthetically making good looking movies and they have a style and you know i think like uh, he this guy did the host too right no that was bong joon ho oh you're right i'm sorry you're right it was this is uh, uh the handmaiden which was a big kind of a big hit it didn't win the palm door but it was a big hit at sundance and then old boy is really the first and if you think about it like one of the big korean movies that really like made waves in the united states um, right. and I, I can remember. I do think streaming has a lot to do with that. I think, you know, when when Jeremy and I were living at 16 Dudley in Cambridge, rest in peace, um, <clears throat> to that time period, obviously the building still is still like, there. As um, far as we know. But uh, I burnt it down. You know, we used to get we used to be able to, ex, you know, explore, explore Asia, as it were, <laughs> because we were able to get you know, foreign films delivered to our house. And now that everything is streaming, it, it just opens up. um everyone to like to new material and so 
you so, know, you, whereas you might not fi- like find old boy interesting in the video store when in 1995, you know, hearing it recommended and people seeing it on Netflix makes it. What year do you think Old Boy came out? No, I just mean like a movie He's saying, like Old Boy. Yeah, saying oh, in ninety five it wasn't streaming. I mean, if I may answer the question. Yeah. Um and it's it's a simple answer, but I think it's true. And I'll I'll go back to Squid Game for an ex, uh, example. Like um I think it's just these are like Chapin said, these are good fucking movies, they're good fucking programs, and it's word of mouth. People are discovering them via streaming, but like, why did I watch Squid Game? It was because I kept hearing about it over and over and over again, and everyone's saying it's great. And I'm like, I gotta check that out. It's like a cultural thing. You just gotta, you, it's hard to walk through life and not have watched Game of Thrones when it was streaming. It's, it was hard to walk through life when Squid Game came out and not be interested and check it out because of the word of mouth. Um, especially, you know, for us, I mean, for, because movies for us are a little different because we're going to see them because that's what we do. We watch movies, watch, we try to figure out the best of the year and they're always sort of up there. So I think even back in the day of our Netflix being delivered, we were, we were seeking these out. If we, if they were, you know, up for an Oscar and up for a golden globe or whatever, we'd be like, Oh, that's interesting. Maybe I'll try that. But um, the accessibility is certainly, yeah. I mean, it makes sense. Like these movies have actually always been good, but it's just so much easier to see them now. I mean, Jeremy, you were over here the other day and I was showing you like my 15 websites I have to find when stuff is going to be streaming and where. Uh, and yeah, your 15, those 15 <clears throat> Asian websites. Yeah. yeah all my, <laughs> that I had open. Um, and like that stuff, like even if a movie like decision to leave, let's say even like in 2003, you know, or, or a movie like Old Boy, which, you know, did have some theatrical release and some word of mouth in the States. You know, you had to figure out a way to find it, which, you know, may have been on the Internet, but also like maybe on, in the newspaper or something to like. Yeah, I remember to find how, where to see these movies. Lee, how did we do that with the independent movies back in the day when we ended up at weird movie theaters at the middle of the day? I mean, I, think I mean, I just remember yeah, the newspaper just had like all the local theaters in the showtimes. Um, you know what? I, I never quite got jerking off in a theater. <laughs> well, haven't, haven't tried it in enough theaters yet. Um, all right. So let's move, move into, dying. let's move into uh decision to leave. So this, this is a pretty complicated movie. I don't want to, I don't want to get too wrapped up in unraveling the plot because for we'll one, I think, all day. well, I think that, that will make this po- podcast complicated um, when you add, you know, the Korean names and all of this and trying to organize our thoughts in that way to to relay it to the audience. I think it's important that people see this movie at least once um, because it might take a second viewing sometimes to kind of understand all the plot points and moving pieces. But I want to know what let's start here. What? What stood out to you guys? And when you're watching a movie like this, in particular, maybe like a police police procedural or a very specific genre film, what are you looking for to set it apart? And and what was it in this movie, or was I mean, it anything? I, I don't know what I was looking for, but I could tell you what did, and and it was the cinematography and the editing, um, yeah. and the pacing of this film. Uh, it's so innovative and different, and uh, the the decisions of where to put the camera and and all that stuff it was i mean 
it it, it brought attention to itself, but it, like in the best best of ways. Yeah, that's a good point. <clears throat> it was showy, but it was also like really creative. Really creative. And, like, like there were flashbacks within the present. Yeah, he was like moving in different time zones that he really couldn't have been in that he's just thinking about. I mean, you put a camera behind a dead guy's eyeball. Um, you know, there's the way the transition from scene to scene, uh, it was, uh, it, it kept it, it kept it intriguing and kept it interesting. Even if you got a little lost in the plot at certain times, which I, I certainly mm-hmm. did. Uh, I, I echo all of that. I think the storytelling is really innovative. It's such a like a rich and deep and complex script as well, which I really appreciated. Um, and much like Parasite, uh, you know, it's it would be easy to get lost in uh, you know the the complexity of the language and um, you know I know sometimes like you like lose track of characters or whatever, but. Um, I just thought this was like expertly written. Um, I also really love the performances, spe- uh, specifically Tang Wei. Yeah, so good. Who yeah. I liked a lot in um, Michael Mann's Black Hat, uh, and she's oh, really? also she in. in yeah, she's in, she's the star of Black Hat. She was also what's her big movie? Is like a Wong Kar Wai movie. Lust, Lust Caution. Oh no, yeah, I'm not yeah. Wong Kar Wai. Uh, yeah, that's Wong Kar Wai. No, Lust Caution. I think is. Um, oh, is that Ang Lee? Ang Lee. Yeah, it is. You're right. <laughs> so I didn't pay attention to who directed that one. <laughs> oh, is there a lot of nudity in Lust Caution? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I, I mean, the title it. literally is like Lust <laughs> Caution. Caution, don't don't caution. Lock yourself There's in a your lot of lust in here. <laughs> and um, also, uh, Park Hay Park Hale is that how we're saying his name? That sounds right. Yeah, I so. My first time watching this. So I'll tell you guys why I watched this twice. I, the first time I watched it when it first was released on Mubi, which is where everybody can find this if you have a subscription. And you can rent on uh, Apple. and Yeah, you can rent it on demand. Um, you know, I had the same thoughts as you guys. Like, this is, like, incredibly shot. It looks great. I mean, obviously, the, the stuff he does with the camera is cool, but just like the what Chapin pointed out, like, the general aesthetic, the the color palette and the lens choices and like all of that stuff just looks really rich and cool and thought that was great and like i was i enjoyed the story so it's it's a police procedural where basically in in simplest terms the detective falls in love with one of his suspects and but it's not as like black and white as yeah, it's not as cut and dry as that yeah. like he just falls in love with her like it's it's very mysterious and the characters Do are mysterious you... and their motives are mysterious <laughs> While we're on that, do you think that it's the sort of falling in love happened too subtly and it was all of a sudden, whoa, we're there? Because that, that took me by surprise all of a sudden when they, they were they were all of a sudden, uh, you know, not in love, but like. No, I think immediately you could tell like he was he was off his game because of her. And, you know, that. You've, we've seen many times, but the direction this movie goes and the, what they do with that, what what um, Park Chan-wook does with that, I think is what makes this movie interesting. But, you know, I left my my first screening of this and I was like, okay, that was good, but, like, I know I missed something here. Like, I know this movie is better than what I just experienced. And so a little while later, a couple weeks later, I watched it again and, like, it all struck me. And it, 
part of that is just, you know, putting more of the pieces together that the second viewing helps with um, and understanding the threads. But like that second time around, I really loved it. And like the cinematography, as great as it is, is it's so much more a part of the whole picture that second time around. And like the camera movements are motivated. They're not just there for stylistic purposes. And that that to me is like that. And then on top of that, the Tang Wei performance, I thought was so good. And it became such much more of a complete movie. And I, I said, I don't know if I said it to both of you or to you, Jeremy, that if you guys can try to see this again before the fixies, even if it's not, you know, obviously not before we discuss it today, but I think it will just really help in terms of understanding this plot and understanding the story and all these characters' motivations. Because there's, there's a lot. There's not just a lot going on with our two main characters, but there's a lot of other characters that come in and out of this movie, all of who have really integral parts in what happens to our main characters and sometimes disappear too quickly well yeah you talked to me about that the the yeah. first partner the first partner um, got stabbed with scissors and he never saw him <laughs> um so again i think I, the second viewing made this movie much much more interesting but the stuff you guys talked about i still think are the highlights this the screenplay is really really interesting even if it's can be a little bit of a struggle to follow at times obviously technically it's incredible and you've got some really good performances here um where so how do you guys think a movie like this fits into what we were talking about in terms of american accessibility well i think you could actually weirdly go back to the police procedural of it all where for American sensibility, American sensibility, you're looking for a certain rhythm in a in a police procedural, right. uh, where you might not necessarily get that in this one, and I think that can be. I think that could be a little bit difficult for an American audience because you're looking for the. Plays on that a little bit though. Oh, it definitely purpose? is. A, oh yeah, it's, it's super aware of it and it plays on it, but I think you're an American audience is looking for the, they want to be part of the, like they're looking for the clues. They're looking right, for they the, want to solve it. Yeah. They want to help solve it. But this isn't about that. This is about their relationship. It's not about the murder. It's, le- it's very much about, I, well, I guess their relationship, but, but more about his, um, grasping of, of what he wants that relationship to be versus, what he's supposed to do as a professional. I mean, there is though a really, I thought really cool scene that isn't, you know, that is a little bit more formulaic in terms of like solving the mystery when he gets the phone and sees the amount of steps on it. Yeah. That's, and then kind that's of fall. very, yep. And like that was such a cool scene. And like, that's right about at the midpoint of the movie, which, you know, uncovers like the first of many, I don't even want to really, I don't know that they're mysteries in this movie. You kind of know, who does it the whole time, who did it the whole time. Um, but it's more about like, and like he, that's the interesting thing about this movie is that, that he, our main character, who, uh, said played, played by Park Hae-il, his name is, is, uh, Zhang Hae-jun is a good detective and like pretty quickly figures out that Song So-rae played by Tang Wei is the murderer. But like, it's all about him, like choosing either not to believe it or like, eventually deciding to help her get away with it and 
you know, telling her what she needs to do to hide evidence. And like, that's, that's the interesting thing about this movie is it's not that the, it's not that there's a mystery about who did it. It's that the, the cop does know who did it and can't figure out how to broach that. Yeah. And also that he's sort of taking a blind eye to, to his instincts a little bit. Oh, see, I, I think I disagree with that. I think he was wrestling with his instincts because his instincts were telling him that this woman who he's fallen in love with is the killer. And he sure, can't, isn't that the, he kind can't, of the same thing? No, because I think he, he's not denying it. I think he knows what she's done. And, you know, I don't, I don't know. Like she kept saying after the second murder, spoiler alert, that, uh, you know, she like she did it so she could like meet him again or something like that. Like, which I didn't really buy. I think she wanted she's sort of like a Black Widow type character, right? Where she marries men and collects a little the money bit, but, or something. Like, I well, didn't quite. So, well, enter a little bit of spoiler territory yeah. well, here. Okay, so, yeah, please, because you've seen it twice. That's where I got confused too. What it was her ultimate motivation. So I think there's a couple ways you could interpret it. The way that I saw it is that she. I don't really under so in the end she ends up killing herself and I don't really totally understand why she decides to do that aside with her obsession with his obsession. So in other words, also what a brutal way to kill yourself. Jeez. Oh, I know. So that's when when she moves to Epo, which is the the town where the detective moves back to to kind of start a new life after this first murder and he they encounter each other. She's remarried. And then it turn and then her her new husband winds up dead. And then we learned that she basically got somebody else to kill her husband by killing that person's mother, right like, who she was caring for figure, yeah. um, and then she kills herself, which basically like puts our main character in the position to like, always have this open case which he's like obsessed with all these open cases he has them on his wall and like she's just this like you know eternal open case that he has that that is unsolved for him and he's just stuck with and she's just like obsessed with that idea of attention to the point then she goes to that length that that's what i grasp now i don't know like on some on some aspect that feels a little far-fetched that she would go to that length, but I don't know how else to interpret it. Yeah, that that's the part that left me like, I don't quite understand motivations in this story. Like, these are huge stakes that she's putting herself through, but it has to do with her past, too, and escaping was it China? And, you know... It, the, clearly the screenwriters thought about it and had some... They, if you ask them the question, they could answer it, but I, I feel There's like it also, wasn't very clear. I run, I run into this a lot with, with foreign language films that there is... It's not just a language barrier, but a culture barrier and like an understanding of what it means that she comes from someplace else and was allowed to live in Korea. Um, like, there might just be a very obvious understanding of what that means for someone who lives in that culture that we don't understand. Um, and that's going to happen with 
with these types of movies. Um, and, you know, you can remedy that by reading up on it or whatever it may be. But I think sometimes those, you know, loose threads are tough to tough to grasp because of that. Yeah, I mean, I wish I kind of wish we we could figure it out and it would make me feel better about this movie. I mean, I still really enjoyed it, but I think those questions uh, are the are the things that left me wanting a little bit more out of this. Like, well, unlike Parasite, which I just felt was like perfect from yeah. beginning to end, motivation wise, screenplay wise, acting, and, but also, f- I mean, far less complicated of a script too. Right. Like. Yeah, well, That's a little was, bit of the trick less, here, too. It's less complicated in the way that it was sort of takes place all in one place. Well, I don't know if it's necessarily it, less comp. I mean, in a way, it's more complicated because it dealt with like socioeconomic things. Well, I think it's complex, it. yeah, but it's not uh, complicated. Yeah. I, okay, the, yeah. I see what you're the saying. script isn't, and and like you know, like, like Park Chan Wook, I think is a like more uh, has a sharper edge than Bong Joon Ho, and and like you know, fucking. Old boy. I mean, old boy's insane. Yeah, just crazy and and a fucking awesome movie. But um, to to me, you know what I think ultimately is that this movie is just about love and this love story and the weird, crazy things it makes you do. Yeah, and ultimately, it's set amongst this cop procedural, which I think is a great setting, but I don't think is super important. Ultimately, like the, the the sort of the cop part of it is not super important to what. Uh, Park Chan-wook is trying to say with this movie which I think is that you know all these things that love can do to like blind you to things and make you do crazy things and and, and I mean they never consummate their love right they never fuck do they no and it's like you know they there's a very complicated once. there's a right. very complicated aspect to this movie where um uh Tang Wei's character says that he confessed his love to her, which he never did in so many words. Like he never said, I love, I love you. And he's confused by it. He's like, when did I say that? And he goes back and listens to a recording that she took. And basically it's what ends up being revealed is him, you know, telling her how to get away with a murder, which he would only do if he had such strong feelings for her. So it's like, this is how I interpreted this. And so it's interesting that it's not, like like we said before, it's not this black and white love story. You know, cop falls in love with his suspect. It's like a very complicated look at more, not so much about two people in love, but more what that does to you and what how that clouds your decisions and makes you do like, you know, maybe unrealistic things in some cases in this movie, like digging a hole on the beach and sitting in it until the tide comes in. <laughs> but do you also think that's a that's another one of those cultural things where it's like in an American police procedural like this, they would just like they would just either have sex or um, when when he says I never admitted to the love part, it like it, it seemed like it meant something else in this. Like admitting your love was was a bigger deal than anything else you could do. Well, there's obviously something there because um Zhang Heijun is married you know his his wife lives doesn't live near him in the first half of the movie and then he moves back to live with her so there's that complication of him falling in love with someone else and then so 
Song Se Ray is married all she keeps killing her husband. So like there's definitely right, something like, there like this that's forbidden about yeah, what they, they're doing. Yeah, not the killing, but the the affair yeah, part. The affair. You can't just cross yeah. that line there. You, you can't have an affair. <laughs> yeah. Murder though. Go for it. Yeah, I think I think that's another thing that makes these films so interesting to watch is that they are a little bit of a insight into the into a culture that, you know, like Korean culture much like Japanese culture and, and Chinese, you know, they're very homogenized, right? There, there's not a, there's sort of a, I don't know, like there's not a lot of other influences on them. I mean, obviously there is, but uh, you get this kind of like Korean se- sense of culture and, and duty. Um, I forget, was it in this movie where, yeah, like somebody comes to them and 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 confesses and says, "I, you know, I failed. I, you know, something." Was that is that in this film? And and he's shamed. He says, "I'm I'm ashamed for the things that I did," and he like begs forgiveness from the cops. That's in this movie, right? No, what is? I know what you're talking about. That's not this movie, though. Oh shit! <laughs> I know exactly that. We, it's a movie we talked about. Yeah. All right, like, we'll come. I back. must have watched it really recently. Okay, well, I apologize for that. Never mind. <laughs> um. So, but I do think it's an insight into Korean culture, much like um, uh, Parasite was. And I think what's interesting about that, it just makes it like just a whole nother level of watching. And so when you watch like such a competent film like this, that, you know, has all the elements that we always talk about, but then you also see this society that you don't usually get to see. It's so interesting. And I think this movie is a little more... um, I don't want to say realistic, but it's it's a little bit more set in a in a in a real world than Parasite was. You know, Parasite was a little a little fantastical. I mean, although you had those social economical aspects of the story, you know, there's sort of a heightened reality there. Where this as this movie is set much more in sort of I don't know a realistic real world, and thus you get like the and what I love about I love about the translation of this movie when they talk about things like the grannies, right? Like that's not something that really makes a lot of sense to us. Granny number one, granny this. And like, that's not something we say, but then I love the way that they translate that just enough so that you get a sense of what they're trying to say. But then you also understand the way that they talk about older people and older, you know, older people culturally and, and the way people like sort of volunteer. And, and I, I just, I think that's so interesting. Like instead of just, totally wiping out any sort of cultural norms. Yeah. They somehow are able to capture that in the translation. I love that. So this movie is mostly like pretty gritty and dark and like definitely like mysterious and but even at times noirish. Well, that was my question is like noir-ish. did what do you guys think of the humor in this movie? Like off the top of my head, the character that Jeremy was referring to earlier that just kind of disappears um is uh, our main character's partner and the f- whole first half of the movie he's obsessed with what they're allowed to expense for like lunch and everything yeah, <laughs> yeah. and it's actually one of like your first clues into um, our character's kind of 
affection for his suspect. Right. Like the nice sushi boxes. He keeps like, buying get, these sushi get, boxes. Send me one of those. <laughs> those looked amazing. And he so keeps good. being like, "Can we expense those? That's the <laughs> that's the deluxe box." And he's so obsessed with this. There's these two murders that they're trying to solve. This like high profile one that their boss wants them to, to to take care of, and then this new one that is that the detective is obsessed with. And all his partner can think about is what he can expense for lunch. And he keeps getting pissed about it. And like, there's all these little things throughout that, especially the first half of the movie that I thought were so funny. And I'm like, this is somehow still falls into place in this like really neo-noir type of movie. Yeah. Yeah. To, I mean, to go back to the cultural thing a little bit, you know, like when you're talking about that, the big murder, when he finally catches that guy up on the roof, there's that, there's this moment of like, he, he's like, He's he's pointing a gun at him. He's gonna kill him. Then the guy, po- what does he have? A knife? Oh, he has the scissors. He yeah. puts him to his own neck, and then the guy's like puts down his gun to spare his life because he'd rather him not kill himself. And then he's like, "Oh, just tell her, you know, I did it all for her. I loved her, whatever." Um, <clears throat> you know, there's a lot of. It's just interesting. Like I, I think in an American movie. You know, you would never ha- you would never see that scene. That would well, he would does not say be... earlier. You learn earlier that he or he doesn't say it, but somebody says about him that he won't. He'll refuse to go back to prison. He did. They do say that. Yeah, which but is, it, but he he makes it in that moment. He makes it about a girl, the girl. Yeah, and the way they figured it out was because, um, uh, what's her name? Oh, sorry. Tang uh, Wei. Yeah, Tang Wei just points to a picture of a girl and it's like oh he must love her follow her and it's all these like uh, the the relationship and the love is the is the catalyst or is the thing that you can't the line you can't cross here yeah an obsessive love in 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 like a way that you wouldn't it would be easily be crossed in an american movie but i also think like culturally it isn't that weird like you look at you look at like McDonough's movies, which is there's also cultural and 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 oddity references in those that we kind of just kind we, of we that we go that we just go along with a little easier, I think, than in a foreign language film. Well, I, I think want, yeah, I think when you have the two things combined, the language barrier and the cultural barrier, both things kind of become difficult, more difficult. Right. Um, oh, really? Because I. I don't agree with that. I think it's the opposite for me. To me, like, this guy could have done, you know, he could have said, he could have showed me that scene in Old Boy and said, you know, this is a Korean delicacy. And I would be like, oh, okay. Not like <laughs> Martin McDonough trying to make a movie about middle America and completely. Well, I don't think failing. he's talking about that. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about. You're not talking about. You're not talking about the worst movie he made. No, no. I'm talking about like Got in it, Bruges, okay. where like there's this code that you 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 just can't kill little kids and if you do you have to kill yourself well that's like, not that's an irish just, thing that's an assassin's code yeah Everybody well still that. there's a culture obviously you're thing. obviously not an assassin jeremy you don't didn't get the code uh, or i'm a really good assassin and pretending i'm not an assassin well no i mean if look if the, if there's like one of the bonuses of being an assassin is talking about it not <laughs> on like, a public podcast that's, that's you awesome. can't do that come on guys we don't have to worry about it. I don't kill children. <laughs> Lee just takes out. <laughs> um, okay, guys. So what, like, I'm curious if you guys felt, it sounds like you guys maybe even liked this movie more than I did after your first viewing. 
But like, do you understand like, like what is your mo- like what is your desire to see to watch this again? I know uh, we're, we're I in crunch like time. I would like to see this again. I would like to see this again. It, it is pro- problematic that like I could see a new movie from now until uh, the fixie date and not have time, you know, and, and right. still not run out of movies to see. So there, the <clears throat> decisions need to be made. Yep. Decision. Do you make the decision to leave this off or see what I did there? Um, cause I'm so glad I watched it again. Um, cause honestly after my, like, I don't think it would have been, I, I mean, I moved it to must see after my second viewing for you guys. Um, I think we're all glad that that happened. Um, well, it wasn't there already. I mean, it's one of the best reviewed movies of the year. Yeah, but I watched it and I just kind of, because I had a little bit of a hard time, I'm like, I like this, but I don't know if it's like, if I should make, put this on the top of a priority list for you guys, but I'm glad that I did. Um, um can, remind me, I, this is not fair because that was a, was it Japanese or was it Korean? What was the movie last year about the play? The checkoff uh, play? Oh, Drive. Drive my oh, car. Drive My Car. That drive was Japanese. Car, yeah. yeah. Was it? Uh, it yeah. wasn't Korean? No. Oh, that okay. was a great movie. Um, although, yeah, but, I forgot to mention that with like all the with the uh, the all the Asian filmmakers kind of. Yeah, making, I mean, like, but with I, I Asian those... filmmakers, it's also like there's there's a lot of Asian countries too. You know, I feel like Korean saying Korean like narrows it down to a point, but there are there's a lot of. Well, sure, but. I mean, the Korean filmmakers in particular are the ones that I think people are starting to get their know their names. I mean, Ang Lee has been around for a long time. He's Chinese, um, or he's, he's Mandarin. Ta- he's Taiwanese. Taiwanese. Mm-hmm. So, to proving Jeremy's point. Um, but, you know, to have Chloe Zhao, Bong Joon-ho, and now, you know, Park Chan-wook in the mix, and Hirokazu Kurita in the mix, and all of these Korean filmmakers, like, really... Um, really making movies every year that are on the top of best of lists, and then if you add, you know, um, Burning and Minari, and now I can't remember the director's names of either one of those movies, but um, and Minari is a little bit different because that was, you know, that was a yeah, Korean filmmaker, but it was um, it took place in the, the states. So Lee Lee Chang no, Dong Lee, directed Lee Isaac, Burning. Lee Isaac Chung did. Uh, Lee Isaac Chung is American. Yeah, but he has he's Korean heritage. Uh, yes, but um, yes, South South Korean. Most of them, I'm, I'm pretty sure they're all South Korean. Yeah, <laughs> so they're, now, they're making really great films in North. Now Korea. the next, maybe they are. Next, we just can't see them. Yeah, the North Korean films really are getting the short. That's going to be the next wave. So we had the Mexican wave, South Korean wave, and that's going to be the North Korean wave of films. They're looking, just Steven Seagal movies CGI'd with the great the dear leader's face <laughs> yeah. on, on Steven Seagal. I want to answer Jeremy's question because I was you know, really interrupted um, as usual. Uh, <clears throat> I, I think by I, Jeremy, <laughs> I guess I get the sense that I, I sort of find these movies. I'm happy to watch them once. I have not watched Parasite again. I'd, I'd like to. Um, but I, I, I don't know. I feel like. Something about the subtitles, like I haven't watched Roma since I put it number one of the of the year. Yeah, um, I I feel like it, it, like I literally I have to. I was watching another. What was I watching? Another movie with subtitles. Do you, Chapin, the, do you feel yeah, like yeah. it's like when you finish a book, you're not going to go back to that book anytime soon? You've, it was an effort, 
and <laughs> it, it it was. I mean, I tend I do tend to re reread books a lot, but um, uh, it's just like it just takes another level of focus for me. I forget. I was like watching something the other day, and I like was trying to have a conversation with someone. I couldn't because I was watching a movie with subtitles. It might have been this, um, but I like <laughs> well. I I just I just have to I just have to focus on a way well, that I don't uh, that I don't have to. In, in other movies and, and movies that are in English. And so I feel like I pay pretty close attention to them. And when I don't, I like rewind them and I'm, I'm pretty good about that aspect of it. And so I think I don't have a huge desire to like, or need to revisit these movies. Um, it's not that I don't like them or anything, but um, I, you know, I, I get a pretty good complete feeling. And also like, I think there is something and perhaps it speaks to your opening question, Lee, the sort of, international appeal of these or the bicultural, the bilingual, uh, multilingual appeal of these movies is that they are, I wouldn't say simplistic. I do think Parasite is simplistic, but in a good way, but this film and the other ones you mentioned, they, they are just sort of engineered in a way that makes them very accessible. Yeah. And, uh, you know, like if, if, I, I don't know. Like, can you guys imagine like a Terrence Malick movie translating well into a different language? Like, I don't really yeah, think that's so. That's a good point. Do you know what I mean? Like, I I, I don't know how well that would play. How, I don't how's know. Malick doing in Korea? Yeah, yeah. no, it's a, it's a great point. They're just like, why? Like, why is that guy wandering? And then that one's wandering. And then that one is. Your your rewatch point is good, Chapin, because when you watch, when I rewatch most movies, like it's on, and I'm really kind of just like it's not necessarily in the background, but I'm like paying attention to like specific things. I'm like, all right, let me look at like how this scene works. So like, let me look at the acting this time or, and it's, it's much more of a casual rewatch where foreign language films is almost the complete opposite for me. Like the second one, I'm like, all right, I got to figure out what I missed on this. Right. If I felt the nece- the need to rewatch it, which is what happened with decision to leave. So I don't, I don't remember not give it. I don't remember having any distractions or whatever the first time I watched the decision to leave. But this time around, I was like, okay, I got to really focus on this one. And like you, like sometimes I'll rewind. And like, if I, I catch my mind wandering and missed like two minutes worth of subtitles, you actually have no idea what's happening. Whereas if you're watching an English film, you, you know, you do know what happened. Yeah. Well, especially this film, this film, I had to rewind several times because I'm like, I missed something and that's important. Yeah. I, I, another aspect of this film I'd like to point out, um, I think now I remember why I was thinking about driving my car, is that there are these, uh, to your point, Jeremy, weirdly enough, like the, the, you know, the sort of like rise in general of all these different Asian cultures, you're right, they're all very different, but they are close and they mingle a lot. And so you've got people, you've got the aspect of language being a key plot point here. So. Um, one thing I just loved about this movie and I think speaks a little bit to sort of like, you know, how sort of forward thinking Asian cultures are in terms of technology, their use of the cell phone and how the cell phone works is integral to the plot. And specifically what I found really interesting is when she talks into a translation app in what I would assume is Mandarin and it translates to Korean. And we dealt with that same issue, not issue, but we dealt with that same phenomena in uh, Drive My Car, where you've got this production of the seagull being done in, what, three or four different languages, English, uh, Korean, Japanese, and you have all these different people speaking these different languages. 
Um, and it's not anything odd. It's not like a, it's not, it, it just, that's just how things are. And, um, I thought that was really, I think that's really interesting. And I, I love that aspect of it because I, I feel like, I mean, maybe, maybe that kind of relate, maybe we have that with Spanish and how, you know, how much, uh, Spanish language is integral in our culture, but it's, it's not quite the same thing. Yeah. And I also think it was really what you're talking that the scenes you're talking about was really well done in this movie because when you're watching it, you know, I don't know that if she's speaking Korean or Mandarin. So the way that that is kind of explained to us and shown to us in many ways throughout the movie and like also a lot of times reiterated throughout, like anytime she meets somebody new, she talks about how her Korean isn't very good. And like, it's constantly there to remind us like, right, Oh yeah, she speaks just, another language. We're just seeing the subtitles. So we're just, it could be either. Right. I, I, I'm not going to pretend I can tell the difference between Mandarin and Korean. So it, it, for that to be so clear in this movie is, is another really, you know, impressive notch in, um, in Park Chan-wook's cap here because I don't like, I, do you think that when they're making these movies, they're thinking about the American audience? Like, has it gotten to that point or, no, you I know, don't, I don't think so. Our Kore- our, a, is it, the I, Korean I, audience stupid too? So they're like, I just think it's a, it's a indication of just a great filmmaker. I mean, like if you remember what, um, old fat Hitchcock said about a great movie <laughs> is you should be able to watch it without the sound on. And, um, I think you know the uh, the Spielbergs of the world, the, the those of uh, those who are heavily influenced by those. What you, you almost just said, those of us, yeah, those of us like Spielberg, yeah, those of us brilliant filmmakers Spielberg like, myself. like Spielberg, Hemingway. Um, you know, like we just basically make movies that are that can be watched with the sound off because yeah. they're so and so. Um, no, but I, I I do I do think that that speaks to. A, I don't know. I don't know where I got it in my head where I thought like complexity in film was the name of the game. You know, like complexity in film is a killer. You know, like and 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 simplicity gets a bad name. Like the ability to sit next to someone in a movie theater who maybe doesn't even speak the same language you do, and maybe is from a completely different background and you watch that movie. And at the same time, you, you both are understanding and can relate to it. Like that's so powerful. And that speaks to such like, uh, 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 such a, I don't know, like effective film. And these, these guys deserve a lot of credit for it. Yeah. It's a great point. I mean, I think, you know, simplicity ends up getting merged with cliche or like, you know, a lack or, or, make or simplicity is too obvious and like you when you start blurring those lines that's how it gets that bad rep but i think you're right i think parasite is the best example of it but like even though this plot is a little bit complicated the through line i think is pretty simple to your point like it's it's trying to relay what love does to people I don't know. I'm like, I'm torn on this subject because I get what you guys are saying about simplicity and I agree with it. And in moment to moment, I think when this movie's trying to present what it's trying to present at that time, it does it in a simple way. But overall, it's a very complex 
See, movie I think it's the in... opposite. I think moment to moment, this movie is complicated. No, and like I, I trying think to follow does... the threads. Yeah, I agree with that. How? <clears throat> because there's all these different moving pieces, all these characters coming in and out. You're trying to solve so you're the mystery of these simple murders. Is just that it's about love. Ultimately, I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, I like, think the theme and the, the through film. line. I'm going back to like Hitchcock and what Chapin's saying, like the how it's presenting the material and being able to see it with the with the sound. Yeah, off. I don't know like, that. I don't know that this would work to that extent. Well, well when that, you, that, what you're talking a... about with the translation and the phone and like using those moments to like be able to tell the audience that that they speak two different languages but i just think he he portrays that very clearly i think that's a different point in terms of what chapin's saying like that's just that's just good storytelling like that's just using all the tools that's what i'm i'm sort of going towards is the storytelling aspect of it the storytelling is is complex i think the themes are pretty universal and and like the the mechanics of the storytelling, I think, fit into that. Look, nothing's going to actually pass the Hitchcock test, obviously. But, like... Um, Challenge accepted. But, you know, like, this was something Jeremy's favorite teacher at Emerson, Bob Weinstein, asked us to do, and... Bob Weinstein was your teacher? <laughs> asked us to uh, yeah. asked us to write a script with no dialogue, which I did in the brilliant camouflage, my first And then film. he became the producer of Miramax, Whatever happened after that? Yeah. Well, Bob's doing fine. Oh, Bob, Bob's doing, yeah. Bob's okay. great. He's got Dimension or whatever it is. Um, the wine Dimension. Dimension? <laughs> He's got Dimension, unlike his brother who is... <laughs> oh, God. Uh, too soon. Got another 16 years. Yeah. So. Uh, Jeremy, you did not... Okay, yeah. So, look, ultimately... Um, Yeah, good, good, good. Final point there, Chapin. Um, oh, oh no, 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 no. I, I look. I, 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 I don't know that I'm I articulating that very well. I, I just think like these, these movies are the ones we've just discussed. I don't, maybe not drive my car. Drive my car is a little co- more complex, I think, emotionally. But these films, uh, these Korean films, really speak a simple emotional language. And they may be complex in the storytelling methodology, but the, the emotions that they convey so well are very, are, are very universal. And like, I think, you know, Jeremy, one of your favorite genres, uh, the mic's blocking your face. Like it's hard to make eye contact with you, but, um, the, one of your favorite genres, you know, the movie that deals with the American identity, you know, movies like that, like they may be of interest to people outside of the United States, but, um, they aren't something that I think they can particularly relate to. And so much of our great filmmaking is rooted in, in that. And, 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 and I'm glad for it because I find those films fascinating, but you know, this isn't about the Korean identity. This isn't like, this doesn't take a whole lot of like understanding of Korean culture to get the emotional beats of it. And I would, I would argue that, that that's not the case for every movie. Yeah. I think most movies aren't. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's really difficult to do i mean to make a sort of universal film it's almost near impossible to be honest you know that that isn't jurassic park not that not to discredit jurassic park but like making a film making dinosaurs scary is not an easy task i thought it was smart that he had the dinosaurs speak korean yeah right the raptors was yeah it's the oh you can watch jurassic park in any language 
language right. of dinosaurs. Categories, Lee. Well, is there a character you'd want to have a drink with in this movie? Yeah. Yes. What's her name? Tang Wei. You get murdered. Wei. Yeah, you get care. murdered. Kill me. Interesting. Uh, um, I mean, there's really only two options. Well, what yeah. about what about his first the, partner? Well, yeah, expensive. Dong uh, Soon Wan. I'd love love to have yeah, a drink with yeah. him. He seems like he's. They seem I like mean, a he riot. Whatever a, that Korean drinker they're drinking is. Yeah, yeah. he's a drinker. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Um, I love having drinks with guys like that because no matter how drunk you get, you still look like the sober one. <laughs> You're not the yeah. one crawling over the it's, table it's at sort, the restaurant. It's sort of like going out with Lee. <laughs> what? The, that happened one time. <laughs> no. No, it didn't. Um, Jeremy's location corner, Jeremy. Uh, a lot of location work here. Well, I mean, yeah, there's there's a ton of locations. That's the that's the location corner aspect of this. Is just there must have been many a company moves because they're everywhere, and how big of a nightmare that must have been. But yeah, it, on the it's edges more, of cliffs. It's it's more of the the amount of locations. I wonder what the, sh- the how many shoot days this was on location. It must have been a lot. Well, I, at least I, I do know that like Chinese films, Hong Kong films, at least in the days of uh, John Woo, were incredibly long. Like, you know, 100 plus days for, you know, like The Killer and Hard Boiled and stuff like that. I don't know that obviously China is not Korea, as we've just established, but there <laughs> well, may they're be all a the same. Of, so obviously right. this was 100 plus days. Jeremy, there's your answer. There we go. I mean, yeah, that seemed like it would have been been difficult. Um. Okay, Chapin. You don't you don't seem particularly grumpy today, but no, I'm, I'm, sure. not, I'm, I'm, in, I'm in a great mood. Great mood. Um, I, there, I, uh, yeah, but um, so <laughs> didn't take long. To already, <laughs> but uh, Ridley has been wanting to sleep in Daddy's bed. Um, the don't past let her. Nights. Don't let her. And I, I have caved a couple times um, in the middle of the night when I have almost no self control and. Uh, I'm a little bit tired now, but it's okay. I love, it's nice to have a cuddle with your daughter, but like, Jesus Christ, daddy needs to sleep too. Miles comes in every single night. Does he? In the middle of the night. Every night. Yeah. And sleeps with you or do you put him back to bed? No, he stays in our bed. I don't know if it's better, but we don't, we don't let Adeline. So we have to go and sleep on the floor next to her. So yeah. So to avoid her getting used to coming in. I mean, the thing is like, it was for it, you know. Well, it's turned out to be like, what's the harm? And he's not going to do it forever. Makes him happy. Yeah. Um. There are some nights where he kicks, and it's really annoying. But other nights, it's fine. What about sex? Uh. Well, you know, bec- that happens every night before he comes in. <laughs> <laughs> like clockwork. Yeah. <laughs> Um. All right. Uh. So this is definitely like, I don't know that there's a particular scene, but it's there's some cinematic jerk off material rampant in this movie. Like, for sure. You know what comes to my mind is when he's replaying the first murder and he's figuring it all out, but he like you could see in his mind like her climbing up the yeah uh, mountain and then like coming across the top and pushing him off and him falling to his death. Uh, also, the final scene on the beach. It's just beautiful. Yeah. Um, Park Chan-wook does these um, 
it's like they're zooms, but they're zooms while the camera is moving. Uh, and they're in-camera zooms. And they're very disorienting in a very cool way. I don't know if you guys noticed that. Yeah, but like, yeah. Does it a few times, yep. The, the, the sort of, sort of jaws and zooming. Yeah, a little, a little bit of that. Yeah, that same principle where... But it's moving... Like, yeah, but it's not reverse. It's like they're both moving in the same direction. Yeah, Like the jaws is sometimes, the reverse yeah. dolly zoom where the zoom is going in, the camera is going backwards or vice versa. It's the yeah. It's the, this is they're like it, the moving the same is, direction. Yeah, yeah. It's um, cool. So uh, I, I think that that's I love like creative stuff like that. I thought it was really cool. Um, and uh, God, what else? Anytime there's fog in a movie, I mean, God, I, I always ask like, how the fuck do they do that? Just I can tell more you. fog. I've set off alarms. Location fog, yeah. fog. S- set off alarms like two blocks away. Because of the it's fog like, machines. Yeah, I love, that, I love that story about about Michael Mann when he goes, "What's that big orange light? Turn that off!" And someone's like, "It's the sun." <laughs> that can't be true. Yeah. <laughs> um. All right. What else have you guys been watching? Um, well, I. And- I t- Go ahead. Well, I told you guys I, I re I wanted to rewatch Nope, which I feel like is something that we all probably should do. Lee, you especially you did not like Nope or was not was sort of the least big fan of it. But I know it's showed up on a couple of our, our favorite critics lists, people we respect. So I revisited it. Um as well as uh this film. <laughs> and what else did I watch this weekend, Lee? Uh you guys both watched Petite Maman. I'm curious yeah, about your Petite thoughts Maman, on that. Yeah. Um, I, All 73 I, minutes of it. Yeah, it's a nice little movie, and it sort of emotionally grabs you finally in the last 20 minutes, but yeah, it's, it's no nothing... no Lady on Fire. Yeah, it's nothing like... Well, it's far from as complex, but um, I, I think it's just such, like, classic, simple storytelling, a little bit of what we've been talking about. Like, it's a little bit of a high concept, but you just utilize it to, like, convey all these really deep, emotional, interesting themes in a very fast and efficient way yeah. and like really good performances from those two little twin girls oh yeah why do they need to be twins for labor laws no because that's, well, that's only why you have they, to have twins if they that's oh, only you mean, if they replace each other well yeah, they're twins right. and their mother daughter so they're just supposed to be the it, it was a little confusing that they look so much alike because they're not going to look exactly alike. Yeah, but they had very different costumes like on purpose. I never had any issue with that. You know, it's France. They have a lot of labor laws. I'm sure those girls were allowed to work two hours a day. It must have been ridiculous filming that film. That actually, they, that's they, why, they that's why shot, it's only 73 minutes they long. They shot for three hundred days. Yeah, it, that, was like, it was actually like a 200-page script, but they just couldn't get enough of the, them to work long enough. Yeah. Uh, I watched um, so yeah. Uh, Empire of Light as well. Was that terrible? Uh, it wasn't terrible, but I yeah, came just... in thinking it was going to be terrible. It, the screenplay's pretty bad. It's like there's some there's some really cringy moments when it comes to race relations in it. It's like almost on par with Green yeah. Book. It's like it's so bad. It's close to that. Um, but Olivia Coleman is great as always, and I did like the cinematography and I liked the setting. I thought that was really it was really interesting and pretty, but. Uh, I mean, it's not going to be. Yeah. What's you know, What's that movie about, Jeremy? Uh, it's <laughs> about Olivia Coleman. Yeah, who's having go. a yeah. psychotic breakdown in her relationship with this young African American kid, and him Spoiler trying alert. to uh, 
navigate through a uh, particularly racial and contentious point in London in the early 80s. Hmm, well said. Did you read that? No. It was very concise. Um, <laughs> it's, it's a little weird that um, that Deacons has sort of hitched his wagon to... Mendez? Yeah, so much. Yeah. I, I wish he hadn't. It's the first it's the first movie that Mendez wrote himself and you can you can certainly tell. Yeah. yeah, he just like wanted to jump on the like, oh let me tell my story about and he's, I mean being... he, Yeah, I mean it's kind of weird. He got so many good people to be a part of it, like Deacons and Coleman and uh Trent Reznor did the score and um Well you he know. didn't he didn't make the worst of the let me tell my story movies this year because armageddon time was way worse than empire of light uh Big words. was it his story is that why i think it's supposed to be, i don't know if was it's he like, a, i think it's was supposed he to be a like middle-aged psych, psychotic no, he was, woman growing you know, he up was and... the, he was the black boy he was the he was, he was the, okay <laughs> wow none of it makes yeah. sense um <laughs> and then i and then we finished uh white lotus oh season two was disappointed in the final episode of that season. Yeah, hold on, don't I don't I haven't watched any of it. So I like okay. season one better than season two, contrary to popular belief. All right, so unless you guys have anything else, that's going to wrap it up for this episode of the Get Your Film no, Fix I, I podcast. No, I wanted to say that we've been we've been discussing more in detail our trip to New Orleans to record the fixies, and I'm just getting really excited, guys. We have twenty three days, twenty three days until the fixies. Um. Yeah, so we got so we've got some dinner plans. Obviously, after the after the obviously. show, um, you know, the schedule for the day is has been uh, released amongst us per Chapin's request. Um, we need voice memos. We need emails. We need to know your favorites of the year so we can discuss them on the show and play them on the show. As always, one of our favorite parts of the Fixies. Um, and uh, so you can send those to getyourfilmfixpodcast at gmail anytime day or night um and we will uh add them to the ever-growing pile that we've received so far how many so far like three three four thousand emails yeah, yeah. uh we have a we're, we hired an intern to go through yep so we'll, we'll talk to we'll talk to to phil um all right that's it and we are now making the decision to leave. Did it again. Did it again. Nailed it. People are going to love that. I think that's probably going to make this podcast the winner. <laughs> Did you order a pizza while we were on the podcast? Did you order a pizza while we were on the podcast? Did they just Thanks so much for listening. <laughs> Leave it at the door like in the whale. Yeah, she's like.